So the real reason I wanted you to come up here, man, is because, uh, you know, I seen you on Instagram. I seen you uh, on YouTube a lot, man. Uh, aside from all the BS, you actually been pushing your tech channel. And I really want to talk about that because even though I'm not an expert in tech, yeah, I, I tell y'all once again, like always, I love the tech bros because because of tech, I use tech it every day. You know what I mean? And um, I seen you on Kwame Brown and Kwame Brown's been pushing me to get coding and trades back. But he's also been getting a lot of pushback for that as well. You know what I mean? So I want your opinion on what you've been talking about with this coding and trades thing and you know, the pushback he's been getting as well. So him pushing the conversation about coding and trading, um, I think it's a good thing. It's something that, in my opinion, is beneficial to Black people if you want to survive and thrive in the 21st century because we're all not going to be NBA players. We're all not going to be entertainers. We're all not even going to be YouTube stars. So you need a real-life skill set, in my opinion, that is actually warranted and valued in the 21st century. And it doesn't necessarily have to be IT. It could be anything. You could be an electrician, plumber, HVAC, you know, something that is a skill set that doesn't necessarily require you to go to college, but you need to be good at something. Like I live here in Florida. If you're good at HVAC fixing uh, air conditioning units, you're going to forever be employable because we love the AC down here in Florida. Matter of fact, my AC unit in my house, it went out a couple of weeks ago and I had to go ahead and drop that bag on this dude the same day because I was like, I can't go one day without the AC. It's, it's just too hot. We playing them games down here. So <laughs> you need a skill set. So I agree with the message, but the pushback he's getting, I don't know why he's getting pushback other than I think people want to see him take the lead in talking about the things that he's talking about. So if you're over here championing STEM, you're championing this, that, and the third, I think some of his haters or people criticizing him want to see him actually take the lead and go about setting this stuff up that you're talking about that's where i think he may be getting some pushback from you don't think the pushback is just ha people hating or <laughs> well i mean it, it, there's always gonna be some hate you know what i mean you're gonna have people who are resistant to it because you know they, they believe they can go out there and just get it pop in a myriad of different ways and they probably can but since this is the message that he's driving and riding so hard like i say i've seen other content creators you know some big names that we all know that have criticized him for this and they're really criticizing him from the standpoint of how come you don't have your kids doing what you want everybody else to do or why are you only focusing on doing shoe drives instead of putting your money up to start some type of STEM program, kind of like how Nipsey Hussle was doing before he got killed. So that's kind of what I've been seeing. Yeah, and I, I see that too. I'm just like, you know, I don't understand it either because literally they have like, uh, isn't there like hundreds of thousands of openings in this? Like, don't they need people in these fields right here or well, isn't there like within tech so you gotta understand there, there's all kind of different lanes in it i like to compare it to like uh, the medical profession in the medical profession you got dentists foot doctors pediatrics brain surgeons so within tech we got like our own little specialized lanes and coding is just one the lane that i particularly focus on is mostly geared towards what they call networking and then also driving people towards entering cybersecurity. now within cybersecurity, yes there are hundreds of thousands of openings up out there and it's only going to become more and more because with all this hacking that's going on it's becoming more just becoming more of a headache so it's getting to the point where biden and the pentagon they want to put like upwards of like 10 billion dollars into the federal budget dedicated just for cybersecurity. and so what that means is that's going to be a lot of money that's going to go towards grants and a lot of money going towards hiring people to fulfill these roles so right now based off of uh i want to i did a video on this about a week or two ago but i want to say it's like close to half a million or maybe maybe 
maybe anywhere between 300 to 400,000 jobs that are just, you know, they don't have anybody to fill the position because they just don't have people to <laughs> they have the skill sets to, to do the job. Is this why they're trying to open the borders and bring in so many uh, immigrants? Well, that's possibly part of it because um, you're talking about Kamala Harris. They want to import like upwards of like, what was it, like 500,000 Indians from India over here. And a lot of them who come over here, you know, let's not get it twisted. A lot of those people that they plan on bringing over here that actually will do tech, these people know what the heck they're doing. But the problem is they'll come over here and do it for extremely cheap under the promise that they'll get American citizenship. And a lot of them come over here and do a lot of database work. But say you got somebody who comes over here or who's here in America, they do database work. And let's just say they're getting paid 75,000. An Indian might come over here and be like, yo, I'll do it for 50. As long as you, uh, you know, give me a green card or some type of visa under the guise that I can be an American. So, yeah, understood. But my thing is, because why are they having all these openings in America? Because in America, they're talking about the job shortage. They're talking about people are, are hungry, people are broke. But you got these high paying jobs that have all these vacancies or meet decent paying jobs. I don't understand. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm confused. You know, because we're talking about people are starving in America, the pandemic and things like that. But then I'm looking on CNN and they got the CEO of Glassdoor, whatever it's called, is talking about there's hundreds of thousands of openings in this field right here. I'm not I'm trying to understand the disconnect. What? Well, the disconnect is you don't have people who are qualified to do the job. So, yes, it's a difference. Let's just say they the, the CEO of Glassdoor said we got 100,000 empty jobs for Burger King and fast food work. Well, you don't need to go to college or a tech school to learn how to flip burgers and put salt on french fries. With tech, you need some level of understanding. So yes, we do have a bunch of job openings, but that doesn't mean that you can just come off the street without any type of credentials and or experience to start doing these jobs. You got to actually know what the heck is going on. We're not throwing salt on french fries over here. The stuff that I do or the stuff that I teach, you're over here literally protecting computer networks that directly affect all of our lives because we're all on the grid. You got to have some basic level of understanding. And beyond that, you got to have some type of paperwork documentation proving that, okay, you kind of know what the heck you're talking about, <laughs> or you have a solid basic understanding of what's going on here. So you can't just take random people off the street and just throw them into these positions. Is it hard to barrier to entry hard? I don't understand. Nah, the barrier to entry is rather low and it could be damn near free 99 in most instances. Like you got my channel pulled up. I got full, like if you click on my playlist button over there, I got full blown classes up here. So let's just take somebody who doesn't have a job. They put in salt on French fries. If they watch my videos and go through and take these tests, we're talking like between now and the next maybe six months, somebody can go out there and have a brand new job doing IT, you know, just watching all of my playlists and learning everything they got to learn. The hard thing about it is, is people actually wanting to learn it and study it. That's the hard part. It doesn't matter if you're doing what I teach or you're learning about database or you're learning about coding. The problem is you got to actually sit down and learn the material. And that thing that turns a lot of people off is, is that this can sometimes be some dry material. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not like a whole bunch of pictures in there, like you're reading comic books. You know, it's not like a whole lot of joke telling. You got to go in there and read a bunch of dry material, or sometimes you might have to sit down and listen to some videos with some dry material, but you got to suck it up and drive on if this is what you want to do. And most people today, they just can't, from my experience, they just can't get past, yeah, somebody said the attention span aspect. You got to actually dedicate time to learn this stuff. That's yeah, the hardest yeah. part about it, in my opinion, is that aspect right there. Yeah, attention span is definitely at an all-time low. That's what I'm saying. If you got focus in 2021, you already ahead of, of most of the people. What's the difference between uh, IT and uh, coding? So like I said, it's like a different lane. So like I gave that analogy with the doctors, you know, you got dentists, you got 
pediatrics, brain surgeons. So everybody that goes to medical school, they all take like biology classes and then they all start kind of specializing. So coding is like a specialty in IT to a certain extent. And even what I do with cybersecurity, that's even a specialty or whatever. The track that I teach, I don't teach coding. I don't do any type of programming. The information that I put out there is really designed to just teach people the basic bare bone elements about IT. Like what is a computer? How do computers talk to each other and communicate with the internet? What are basic security principles that you need to apply to uh, computers and to apply to, to an overall computer network? Like I'm on some literally preschool stuff over here with people. Now we don't get into the coding. I'll highlight it and talk about it, but that's another area. And people who want to go into coding, they have their quote unquote preschool as well, where they, you know, they might teach people, you know, go learn C++ or go learn Python. They got their own little educational track. My educational track is designed to, you know, get a person to go get a basic entry level job doing help desk stuff where they won't be there forever or it can help them transition going straight into cybersecurity. So like so like a preschool for cybersecurity? Yeah, I like to think of it that way because I've discovered that there are a lot of people out there that simply don't know anything about computers other than how to cut them on and watch a YouTube video and go buy stuff off of Amazon. So I literally teach people how to do binary, you know, convert from binary to decimal to hexadecimal, like almost some basic super elementary stuff like that. So that's what I do. Speaking of that, let me ask you this, man. I heard somebody say, so I see you over here, you got the CompTIA classes. I see some people talk shit about the CompTIA search. Uh, they'll say, oh, it's not, it's a waste of time, not worth it, blah, blah, blah. What would be your answer to people who, who, who say something like that about the CompTIA classes? Well, normally people who say CompTIA certs aren't worth it, these are people that are already in IT and they're doing like a higher level job. So you might have somebody that's been in cybersecurity or doing networking or whatever. They've already been in the business for a hot little minute. So they know the difference between a CompTIA cert and a higher level cert like a CCNA or a penetration tester or something like that. CompTIA is still good. All you got to do is go to Indeed, the website Indeed, and just type in entry-level IT jobs or A+, and it'll pull up a gang of jobs. And in the description, they're going to ask for your A+, your Network+, and or your Security Plus certification. As a matter of fact, if you want to get a job working for the federal government doing IT stuff, it's a mandatory requirement that you have to have the Security Plus certification which is a CompTIA cert. So the CompTIA certs are not bad. I talk about them from a perspective that I'm dealing with people who are complete newbies to IT. My target audience isn't geared towards the person who's been in IT already and they're trying to study for their CCNA or their or some other higher level cert. This is really a good baseline understanding for somebody who was completely new. Like I see Brother Truth just said, CompTIA is complete trash. I, I disagree because like I said, all you got to do is go on to Indeed and you go to Indeed.com, type in entry-level IT jobs and read the job descriptions. Nine times out of 10, they're going to ask for a CompTIA certification as a prerequisite just to apply for the job. So I don't see how it's trash when that's what the employers are asking for. Is he still there? Did he drop out? So anyways, this, this is now the Tech G Show to Ramil Show back up. Like I say, when people who say it's trash, and look, everybody's entitled to their opinion and they have their reasons for doing so. But based off of my experience, most people who say that these are people who are already in tech. They've been doing this for a hot little minute. So they'll sit there and they'll tell somebody just to totally bypass it. Go get your CCNA. That'll only work for so many people. It's not going to work for the average brand new person who's trying to get into IT because they're not, they're just not going to under, they won't even understand the concept of if I throw out this term, what's a router on a stick? Somebody who's never done IT before when, is not going to know what the heck I'm talking about. So that's why I say start off with CompTIA because 
this is what a lot of employers will ask you for for an entry level job. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. You back? Yeah, I don't know what's going on, man. They, uh, you know, what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, my bad. What, what were you saying? No, nah, I was just explaining to them about you know everybody's entitled to their own opinion on how they feel about CompTIA certs, but like I say, when I hear people disagree with them being good, is not nine times out of ten is normally coming from somebody who's already been working in IT and they have experience. I'm stressing that it's good for somebody who is a complete newbie to IT that doesn't really know anything. So people can get employed with with these uh, with the CompTIA and things like that. Yes. They oftentimes ask for it. Okay, okay, okay. Makes sense. I see someone on this, on this uh, video that caught my eye. I know me and Big Trevor were talking about this the other day. This crypto mining thing. Uh, can you a uh, real quick? It says illegal crypto mining. Is crypto mining illegal or, or no? No, it's not illegal as far as I know in this country. Now, in some other countries like China, and that video I did was actually crypto mining operation in the Ukraine where they had like a full blown warehouse with 5,000 you know, computers and GPUs all over the place. So basically, it's I don't know the total legality of it in other countries, but one of the problems is these crypto mining operations, when they become full blown, like the one I talked about in that video, they can drain a lot of resources from the power grid to where now you have people in the, in the surrounding areas experiencing what they call a brownout or and or a blackout where mm. they're not getting... Uh, you know, somebody down the street, they can't get adequate electricity to power their house because this crypto mining thing is sucking, literally sucking up all the electricity off the grid. So like I say, I don't know the total, whether it's legal or illegal in these other countries, but that's one of the major problems they have. These places, you can just go look up crypto mining operations in China. They'll show you pictures on Google of full-blown warehouses where it's just, you go down every single row, they're just computers and GPUs all over the place. And and they're just draining electricity off the grid. And that particular video that I did, the people who were doing it, they were draining as much as like $250,000 worth of electricity off the grid. <laughs> they manipulated it to where their electric meter wasn't registering. Like they somehow manipulated the system. So that's uh, part of the problem with crypto mining. Oh, okay. I was curious about that. And uh, let me ask you this out as well. I know you see, said some people fail. Are these uh, certs hard to get? Like, is the average person, do you have to have above average intelligence to um, accomplish that's, these? That's a tricky question to ask. I like to say, no, you don't. But then again, when I was in the military, I mean, you know about this. We all took the ASFAB mm -hmm. test before we got into the military. The ASFAB, for those you don't know, stands for the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. It's almost like the Army's version of an IQ test to a certain extent. And in order to go into the uh, IT field in the Army, you had to score a certain percentage point just to apply or just to hope and pray you can get into IT. Now, once you're in there, I've seen some complete dummies go in there and, and learn this thing. But realistically, I don't think you have to be above average intelligence. I think you have to have a willingness to sit down and study and learn. And I mean, that's what you have to do. So you can be somewhat of a stereotypical idiot, you know, however you frame that. But if you can learn how to study, then you can go out there and pass these certs. But if you don't study, there's a high chance you're not going to pass. I mean, that's just the way a lot of these tests are designed, but you have to be willing to put in the work and study. You can't go in there and half-ass it or you're almost guaranteeing that you're going to waste your money because you have to pay for these tests before you can sit down and take them. And like that A-plus test you just pulled up, it's actually two tests. It's the hardware test and the software test. And each test costs about $220. So you're looking at a $400 investment. Why would you not study for something that costs you a grand total of $400? 
know what I'm saying? So it's not hard. The hard part is making yourself study. Okay, true indeed. Will there be any more things you're going to be teaching or just uh, just what you see? Yeah, to, so, well, as you see at the top, I got a class called IT Fundamentals up top right there. This is the class that I tell people to take if you know absolutely nothing about IT other than how to you know, watch YouTube videos and buy stuff off Amazon. So, but if you know a little something, something, I tell people to start with the A plus certification. And like I say, it's two tests, it's the hardware and the software. And then after that, I got what is called the network plus. That's the class that I'm currently building. I'm still creating material for it now. That class teaches you just basic networking concepts, which can lead you into going to get your CCNA and all that stuff. And as a matter of fact, this is what somebody like Brother Truth would probably be like, just skip that and go for your CCNA, which I understand why he would say that if he were to say that. And then, but after after this, I plan on putting up a class called Security Plus. And like I said earlier, if you want to go work for, be like a government contractor or something, doing IT work, you're going to have to have that cert. That's actually the starting point for beginning cybersecurity is the Security Plus. So I plan on putting that up on my website and on my YouTube channel. Oh, no, definitely. That's what, uh, you know, I can definitely tell you put your uh, time into this. That's what made it stand out to me, man. And um, there's a lot of brothers out here who just, who want to know, who want to get into it. They just don't know how. Well, here, here's how, you know, entry level, because uh, I've been looking at these, uh, every time I when I look at the news, they're always talking about all these job openings in this field. You know what I'm saying? In this tech field, whether it is coding, whether it is cybersecurity, it's always talking about, oh, we have hundreds of thousands of jobs opening. I'm like, yo, well, if you're hungry, I want to learn everything I possibly can. Do you need college to get into any of these? Or is it your- no, you don't need college to do any of this stuff. College degrees, it depends on what like you might need a college degree if you want to become a computer scientist or if you want to become what they call like a chief information officer or chief technology, you know, somebody that sits at the executive board with the CEO or something like that, or if you want to become a college professor. But to get into cybersecurity or even to get into programming, you don't need a college degree. The stuff that I put on here, they're teaching kids as young as middle school how to do this stuff, man, to where a kid can essentially graduate high school at the age of 18 and they can have all these certs that I teach and they can go out there and get a job straight out their mama's house, paying them like like anywhere between forty dollars to $50,000 a year as their very first job straight out of high school with no college. So you don't need college to do this at all. Yeah, somebody said drop the link. I'm going to drop the link for any, if everybody who's, who's interested. Uh, I'm going to drop the link to the channel and the website because, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of brothers out there are, are looking for direction. And uh, this is another avenue right here, man. I mean, I'm tired of seeing the news talking about all these job openings. So I'm just like, yo, like, it is what it is. I, I pretty much answered all my questions, man. Um, You know, I see you doing your thing. And I definitely wanted to highlight that because, um, you know, I'm all about the tech, all about brothers getting over there. Salute to you guys. Uh, Did you have time to do a, uh, take some questions or anything? Yeah, yeah, I got time. Okay, okay. What we're going to do, I'm about to put this link down here. And if you questions or whatever agreement, disagreement, you can come up. Now, I do want to say something because I know you're all about people starting their own businesses and stuff like that. Eventually, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. My content, like I say, is geared towards getting people a job, but you can also take that same information and start your own business. And let's just say you decide you want to go out there and start a business fixing people's iPads and iPhones or just doing basic computer maintenance you know, because you want to compete with the Geek Squad or something like that. Like You can go out there and do that. Or you can go out there and, and set up security systems in people's houses, like the ring doorbells and all these other little things. Like all of that's a, a function of IT as well. So the information that I teach on here, even though it's elementary stuff, that well, I consider elementary stuff, you can still take that information and actually go out there and start some type of IT business. Because I know when people think of IT businesses, they think of some monstrosity like Facebook or Google. Nah, man, you can literally go around fixing iPhone. Like I, I met a black dude about 
a year or two ago. Matter of fact, he had got out the army after like four years and started a business down here where he was going around fixing iPhones, fixing iPads and, you know, doing some other computer stuff. And he had his own truck driving all around the city doing it. He was, you just out there getting it. You can do that as well. Yeah, I pretty much, any anything, I know anything can be started into a business. And, you know, that's, I always believe that's the end goal. You know, you can't just jump into it all the time, man. You know, obviously I get on the job experience, things like that. But yeah, y'all already know how I get down. Eventually, y'all know I'm about that business ownership. What's going on, bro, True? Hey, what's good, man? Hey, thanks for having this stream on here, man. And thank you for the guests, man. He's dropping some good knowledge here, bro. One point of contention that I do have, as I said in the chat, CompTIA certifications are trash. You're talking to someone that has had all three a plus or uh, security plus and network plus one that i would say has some point of value is the security plus and that's specifically because he's right the federal government does require you to have that certification so if you are applying for any type of federal contracts you need that certification and i would say cloud plus which is one of their newer certifications that has some value in this particular environment that we're in now because everything is transitioning to the cloud and i'm not saying that the certifications from a knowledge-based perspective that you're brand new and you want to learn about technologies these are the certifications that you would want to start with if you just want for the value of learning right if you come in transitioning from another career path or you just brand new off the streets these certifications are the ones that you want to start with to get your feet wet however if you are expecting a hiring manager recruiter to look at your resume and be wowed by any type of comp to your certification you got another thing coming they don't give a shit about them and i've actually spoken to hiring managers and recruiters about this because again I actually had these other certifications on my resume. I barely got any type of response until I started getting uh, advanced uh, certifications. Let me let you uh, respond to that. Uh, so what would you say to that? Uh, what would be your response to that? Uh, like I say, I got to disagree with him because I hear what he's saying. But once again, he basically confirmed what I was saying. He specifically stated that this is good if you are brand new into IT. And that's what everybody understands. A plus, net plus, security plus. These are certs for, that are geared towards people who are brand new into IT. Exactly. Um, and and so, that's why they're low level. Yeah, I mean, you, you I said it yourself. You, yeah, you, know, that, you put you put your advanced certifications behind a paywall because the, well, the, 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 I think he did say I think he did say that they were like entry. Yeah. They, they, are, and that's why they don't. They, go ahead, no, man. No, I didn't no, cut no, you no, off. Go no, ahead. No, go no, ahead. Go no, ahead. No, you're right. They aren't advanced level certs. You're correct in that assessment. They are entry level certs. But you got to understand everybody can't just go into IT and bypass the entry level phase. There are still a bunch of entry level jobs that are out there that require the A plus and the network plus just to get started. Now, we do want to clear something up for people. Just because you start off at entry level with this, that doesn't mean you're going to be stuck there forever. Within about 18 months to 24 months, you could be on to a higher level cert and a higher level position, which comes with oftentimes a higher level of pay. I'm just talking about if you are just trying to get started, just you know whether you're switching careers, or you're fresh out of high school, fresh out of college, this is where I believe you should start unless you want to go do programming or something else. But this is good for people who are brand new. Don't treat it as you're going to be here for the rest of your life or you're going to use A plus to help you get a higher level job doing cybersecurity or something else. No, this is your starting point. That's the whole point of this. I don't disagree with you on that point, but my whole thing is, I guess, the economic 
viability of these certifications. You're not going to have recruiters, HR managers beating down your door because you got these certifications. That's just the bare bones fact of the matter. Most recruiters look at these as low level certs. They're beginning level certs. And there's nothing wrong with learning the, learning the uh, information. Like real talk, I think starting out. You know, yeah, it, 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 yeah, go so ahead. Would you say is, is, this is good? Like I said, starting out and good introduction to help you, you know, get a grasp of. What absolutely. Absolutely. Like if you want to get into, you know, say hardware repair, a plus is yeah i would i wouldn't doubt especially you know they revamp these certifications on a consistent basis so someone coming off the street that doesn't know anything about it technology yes this is a great starting point absolutely okay. good great starting points but don't expect for you to have any type of for it to have any relevance on your resume until you actually start getting into certifications that are sought after in this current market like aws certified solution architect hell or google certified cloud professional a project management professional aws cloud certified pack practitioner or Brother, true, the higher level Cisco certifications. I got to interrupt you, bro. Yeah, go ahead, bro. You're talking about this from the perspective. Look, everything you're saying is true about AWS, Cisco, and all this other stuff. Those are higher level certs that come with higher paychecks. We get that. Yeah. Remember, we're talking about people who are just getting started. So you can't expect somebody to realistically come from flipping hamburgers and jump straight into AWS. You got very few that can do that. Well, yeah, I'm not really making an argument at all, though. Yeah, I'm but, not, but I'm saying- I, Are we on the same page with that? But I'm saying what you did say that there is, you know, recruiting managers don't see value in that. I disagree with that because they see value in all levels because all you have to do is just go on Indeed.com and do a search for entry-level IT jobs. No matter what city you live in, there's going to be a gang of entry-level IT jobs that are asking specifically for people to be A+, Network+, plus, and Security+, plus certified. It almost, look, I'm not saying that you're wrong. It just sounds like you're trying to tell people who don't know anything about IT to kind of bypass this and just go focus on the higher level stuff. Very no, I, I didn't. I didn't. You, you missed the point where I said these are great entry level certifications for someone that is transitioning from one career to the next or coming straight off the street. Yeah, I heard for, that. For, 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 knowledge, that. For, for knowledge purposes, these are great certifications to start with. I think we're pretty much saying the same thing in different ways. However, from a value offered perspective, from a value offered to the market, don't expect for you to get these certifications and then be able to sustain yourself just off of these certifications alone yeah, no, I agree. because they I agree. are they are low level certifications most hiring managers that if you coming in yeah that's good to get to have these but even then like again because like i said i when i got out of the military and at the time i had just finished a contract with bank of america and my certification game was like way off i graduated got my degree and i started with CompTIA. i got network plus a plus and it wasn't until I got my CCNA, started going for my Cisco search, where I actually started getting looked at a little bit more seriously. I actually started getting callbacks. I actually started getting emails. You know, my resume started getting hits on it. When I got my CCNP, that's when it was like, okay, the floodgates open. And the same thing when I got my Cisco Design Certified Professional. And then, you know, when I added advanced certification to my resume, that's when the doors opened. Uh, okay. No, I agree. I agree with that. Like I say, maybe we were saying the same thing, just yeah, just differently, bro. Yeah, yeah that's the whole all. Point is, this is the starting point. Don't absolutely to just stay there. You yeah. have to seek higher stuff, like Brother Truth is talking about, if you want to start maximizing your overall career potential and income. So I agree with that. Please explain the interview process. I know people that fail during the hiring process; it can be demanding. That coding courses don't teach you. If one of you guys want to touch on that real quick, right, well, it says please explain the interview process. So first thing you got to do, you got to make sure that your resume can actually make it to the desk of a human being. So yep. you got to learn how to write a resume and you have to make sure your resume is uh, loaded up with keywords that, because what it is, 
you submit resumes through uh, Indeed or something, your resumes are scanned by a system. And if you don't have enough keywords on it, it's more than likely going to get rejected. And I do a video on my channel teaching you how to bypass the system where I literally have a video showing you how to actually, you know, increase your odds of your resume making it past that system. But once your resume makes it past the system and it's in the uh, eyeballs of, a, of an actual human being who's reading it, well, you got to make sure your resume is damn near to the point because you got to remember this person that's hiring probably has a stack of like a hundred resumes and they say they only spend about two or three seconds looking at a resume. And if they see one flaw, they'll throw your crap in the trash and move on to the next person. So after you make it past that phase then you get an actual call to do an interview well you got to actually know what the heck it is you're talking about because they're going to ask you questions that, like let's just say you're dealing with a plus or something they're going to ask you can you tell me what ram is can you tell me what a motherboard is or whatever high level cert you may be dealing with they're going to ask you questions about it to see if you understand what it is that you're trying to do at this job so that ties back into my overall point whatever cert you're going for whether it's lower level or higher level you got to actually take the time to comprehend the information and then on top of that it's probably in your best interest to take the time to comprehend the information as it directly relates to the operations and purpose of the company that you're trying to get hired with you gotta go out there and do your research on that company as well and then go out there and, you know hopefully sell yourself the best way you can yeah man like 110 percent, he's right on that you have to know the company history in addition to that make sure you pay close attention to the job description okay when they lay out those bullet points of the technology you need to know they put that technology in there for the reason especially like the first three to five bullet points pay attention to that and you focus in on the technologies listed whether it be protocols whether it be devices that they use make sure you know that in addition to that they're also assessing your personal skills with talking and being able to, you know, just have a regular conversation. Nope. It's not always about just, you know, technical knowledge. It's also, can we work with this person? Is this someone that has a urge to learn more? Is this someone that is personable? Nope. So that plays a huge part into the interviewing process as well. Trust me, when I first started interviewing, man, I was literally coming to certain interviews and be stammering, especially like job positions that i'll be like damn i really want this you know what i mean i really really want this and i would like study all night and then by the time the interview come around like i'm flustered and have all kind of damn you know nervous ass thoughts even though i prepared for it but it's just like anything else it really comes down to you being certain in your skill set and your experience and then relaying that value to the hiring manager or whoever you're talking to another huge tip is if you have any type of previous projects that you worked on that you can you know show work for make sure that you know it's not anything that's you know secretive or that you don't have to worry about any non-disclosure agreements or anything like that but if you have projects that you're able to share even something that you did on your own right a network that you build it for someone at your church or something that you did in a lab at your house you can show them that to let them know that you know what you're doing when it comes to technology and using that you can actually explain how you build it from scratch what you did the problems that you saw when you was building and how you overcame those problems that let them know that you're good to go that's actually 100 percent true because i actually had somebody ask me about that not too long ago they was like the only experience i got is fixing my grandma's internet 
I'm like, well, there's your experience right there. Now we just have to find a way to dress it up to make it seem like it's more than you just fixing your grandma's internet. And they're like, what do you mean? Well, there are tricks to doing things on resume. So I'll give you an example. When I say something like this, I have experience in adjusting and changing illumination systems. Somebody will look at that and be like, wow, what is that? All I did was just say, I, I know how to change the light bulb. That's all I did. This is the way you word it and rewrite it. Like I say, you got your grandma's, I'm fixing my grandma's internet. You can reword it to make it sound like it's some more high-speed professional stuff than what it actually is, but it's still technically real-life experience that you can document and put on your resume. Keep it taking. What's going on, man? Thanks for what's, coming through. You want to answer this man. question real quick? Do you need a portfolio? It all depends on what area IT you're going into, so I'm not sure what all y'all talked about, but I'm going to go off of what it says in the title, which is coding. Coding is a good way, well, if you're getting into coding, you can have a portfolio very easily by using GitHub. You can have examples of your code. A lot of people that are getting into coding and all that stuff, they have portfolios on GitHub or GitLabs, which is where you can, it's basically a repository for either an application. People put websites up there and everything, but that's where a lot of people reference their portfolios, so to speak. That's what I call it. I don't know if that's what everybody else call it, but that's considered in my eyes a portfolio because you're basically showing the hiring manager or you're showing the actual department that you're trying to get into. Okay, this guy has examples of things that he's worked on in the past because with GitHub's, it's basically decentralized, uh, centralized because it's owned by Microsoft, but it's where a lot of open source applications are created. And so you can work on other people's projects. You can add to the code. You can also fork the project and create your own project using it, using the previous code that was created. So that's considered a portfolio in my opinion. And then also I've been in interviews and I haven't done it much, but I have been in interviews where I've brought my laptop and I've actually showed what I can do on my laptop because a lot of times it's kind of hard to explain, especially if you're talking to hiring or HR people and they didn't bring anybody in from the department. Typically they bring in somebody from the department but I've been in interviews where they haven't and by having your laptop out and you can show them what you know how to do or give them examples or if you want to print it out whatever let me ask you this y'all always talking about interviews it's tech if you go through a lot of job hopping because it's like y'all you know what I mean it's yeah. like, it's... in this environment bro anybody that's sitting at one job you know trying to you know get the pension and all that that's nonsensical especially in the tech industry because the more environments you see the more technologies that you see the more business types whether you work in healthcare then you go to maybe an, an industrial business then you go to a telecom business the more of that you have on your resume the more variety you have in your resume in the tech field the more valuable you become because you've built up experience in different environments okay i got you Let me know. No, not at all Oh, Josh had mentioned something about the hiring managers and the job descriptions. You guys got to understand when you look at these job descriptions, a lot of these are written by the HR department. They're not actually written by the IT people or they might not even be written by the person that's interviewing you. Oftentimes they'll go and copy and paste some stuff off of what they think is required in the job. So when you read job descriptions, they can sometimes be intimidating. But like Brother Truth said, you got to zero in on some key stuff. I normally tell people, if you read the job description and you can do about 50% of the stuff that they're asking for, apply for the job. Because everything else you can learn on the job. You're never going to get the perfect candidate that knows everything that they want on that job description. So. Yep. And he's absolutely yeah, he's right. Because right. in some job descriptions, right. man, it'd be a whole freaking... I 
like a psychopedia worth of acronyms yep. that you've never seen in your life before. Like, hold on, you want a program and a network engineer? What what kind of shit is this? Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. You know, I have somebody that like, go ahead. Number six, Trinity. Yeah, I mean, uh, but let me uh, we got a whole bunch of people. Let me get to see if I can get to everybody. Uh, let me get to number sixteen. He came through. I was going on number sixteen. What's up, man? I wasn't able to catch stream when it started. I really just caught it when it started to open up. But yeah, it's a very good field to get into. A very wide field. Yeah, like for me to talk about all the CompTIA certs hit home because that's what I started off with. I started off with A plus, Network plus, some of like the low level Microsoft certifications. But yeah, it's definitely entry level. It's and also too on like on the entry level piece, it can be challenging to say the least to try to get your first jobs on your resume. But it's like yeah, you just got to keep trying and struggling to be honest to get enough experience to move to some of these large positions. But yeah, as soon as you sort of figure out where you want to go in tech, then they really do it. Like for me, like I did get my CCNA route switch and that did help with job procurement. But one of the things for me was that I found much more success in contracting. And so instead of trying to apply for a permanent position, because it was hard for me, it was just, hey, get my name out to some recruiters like Robert Haft, Tech Systems, Insight, global and let them find me jobs and then just after taking contract to contract and getting experience up and then just continue to get better and better jobs but yeah contracting is one of the big ways to get into the field and especially a big way to boost your chances of getting a job is if you're willing to travel or if you're able to travel because now with COVID now it's, it's a lot different, but before it was like most companies wanted you to be on location. And even if you're like in a big city or a big area, you may still struggle, but it's like, hey, we got a job out for you in Little Rock or somewhere or somewhere like in the middle of nowhere in Michigan. It's like, are you willing to travel? Sure. And if you're willing to travel, you open up many more opportunities for yourself. Like a brief background of what I do, like I am a network engineer, but I'm a, at this point, strictly wireless engineer. So yeah, if okay, you want that's to get, what's up, man. I'm on the Aruba side. So yeah, me too. And, and Meraki as well. Yeah, uh, not touching Meraki. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, my company uses Aruba. So I have my ACMP because I did actually go internal, but I was supposed to, actually not even supposed to get, I was getting training for my ACMX, but when all the stuff happened, couldn't do it. But yeah, like wireless, like some people say cloud security, still route switch is still very viable. Service is, yeah, it's just, there's many, many fields that you can go into. It's just, just figure out what you like and uh, yeah, go for it. Just to add, on to what he was saying man like in addition to at gaining value in these different positions you have to have a thirst for learning because we have a flood of immigrants coming in from india when i tell you these are like some ninjas they are born to learn it they will study from sun up to sundown some 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 some, not all, not some, not all no. but not to say that all of them are you know geniuses because i've read i've ran into a lot of them that know what they're doing but there are a select few because the competition over there in india is so strong that everyone is vying for high level positions so there is a incentive for people to hit the books that much harder so i've worked with individuals like they study all day day in day out they stay at the job and they go hard let me get to uh before the biz what's going on man what up hey what's up everybody I'm a data engineer and I work for a recruiting company. So a lot of the things that you guys bring up in this panel, I see, I see like the backside of it because I actually work with a lot of the data and 
I can confirm that a lot of the things such as certifications and moving around at different jobs does actually affect what recruiters will actually reach out to you. And I will agree with, I believe his name is number uh, 16. He was saying how uh, contracting helps you get in the door. And I completely agree because I'm a contractor myself. It's extremely difficult to go on from not being in the industry, trying to get an entry-level full-time position because a lot of these companies, they save money on not having to pay you like all your benefits. And also another thing is it actually is, I guess it's like against like a lot of the rules when they have contractors who are treated as employees because then they'll look at you like, okay, well, what's the difference between a contractor and an, a full-time employee? And then people have actually sued certain companies in order to get a lot of those benefits. So that's why a lot of the big tech industry companies, they sit here and say, okay, you know what? We want a whole bunch of contractors. And what they'll do is they'll say, we'll give you a contract to hire a position. So you sign on that contract thinking after six months to a year, okay, you're going to be put on full time. It's just contract for right now. Some people do get put on full time, but for the most part, it's really a lie. A lot of the time, they will just keep you on for forever. And you can bring it up with your manager. And this is actually one thing that I did. Everybody was like, okay, just bring it up with your manager and she's going to go full time. Brought it up with my manager. And then probably like the next week, they let me go. And <laughs> the reason why is because like the budget will change in the beginning of the year. Just so happens that my previous company, they lost like half a million dollars on their budget. So there's some bad things that come with being a contractor. There's some good things if you just like the flexibility and also if you're available to move around. But overall, they can pretty much let you go for any real reason. And, you know, just so happen like, oh, it's just not working out. Then the recruiter, they won't sit up here and say, okay, well, that didn't work out. Let me go ahead and try to find you another job. They will sit here and say, well, it just didn't work out. They don't want to move forward with you. Well, the thing is with that, I prefer contracting, man. Honestly, man, I've worked both as a full-time employee and also contractor. I'm currently a contractor right now. That decision, when it comes to them wanting to bring you on, mostly based off value added, right? If you make yourself to a point where if they lose you, they'll have to go through hell and heaven to find someone else to do your job and replace your knowledge, they will do whatever they can to keep you. Like they will move heaven and earth to keep you on the staff if you are that valuable to that to your environment. But if you basically are just another, you know, warm ass in the seat and it really can just, you know, plug and play, then, you know, it's, it's not really too much of a decision for them to be like, yeah, okay, uh, no. Not to say that you were in that situation before the billions. I don't know what the current status of that company, hell, they might've been going bankrupt. I don't know. But I'm just saying in general, that's typically a decision-making factor. Are you indispensable, right? If they want to bring you on and you basically have proven yourself that on a day-to-day basis that you know how to solve problems and you get done and you build out certain projects on time, then most companies that I dealt with anyway would happily bring you on. And I was going to say, I agree with you, bro, Truth. I've always heard like, you know, being indispensable, like actually doing something that nobody else does. One of the things that you can probably do if you want to become indispensable, in addition to just doing your job, finishing up the projects on time, but also helping out with streamlining people's communication by doing stuff like, okay, I use G Suite. So you can use Google Sheets or you can use Excel spreadsheets if you don't have Google G Suite. 
but also like pretty much just documenting a lot of the different things that you do. Also, like if you are a data engineer like me, doing stuff like documenting different conversations, like, like taking meeting notes, doing stuff like you have an Excel spreadsheet or Google sheet that has all the like tables that you're working with and all new fields that you're coming out with. There's a whole bunch of different things that you can do and also setting up different meetings with your manager and also other people internally that can help you out and also bringing up new ways and new ideas by like saying oh you know what i heard of that about this software that can also help us out such as if you use google cloud platform you can use something like cloud run that's like another one of their products that they use so you know all those kind of things can help you to become indispensable and keep it techy you something no i was just gonna add on to what you said bro true and i agree with both of you guys it's 100 true but it goes back to what you stated earlier you got to always have that thirst for knowledge and learning through when you get into this field that's why i talk about open source software whatever i'm just using that example but as well as kubernetes and all these different new technologies that are coming out you gotta keep that thirst for learning more to add to your value the more you add to your value the less likely you'll get chopped when it comes down to it because that's happened to me before as well i've worked for a company i did two years of work for that company and boom the budget doesn't afford you anymore we need to go on and cut this position and it happened across the board from the top to the bottom because basically a company came in and bought that company and was trying to flip that company by turning a profit just selling off the business once they made it profitable they cut from the top to the bottom you know what i'm saying and switched out management switched out and my position was one of those positions so that does happen especially in the contracting world and i've done contracting for years too but go ahead brother truth so in addition to that bro you need to make sure you keep track of all the project work that you do anytime you solve a major issue a major problem write that down because again you'll think it's nothing right you'll think that okay this is day-to-day thing but these are certain key points you can bring up in a negotiation. These are certain things that you can bring up. Look, I did this, this, I finished this project on time. In addition to that, you have some additional bullet points to add to your resume. So when you're done with that employment, you can look back onto your notes. Okay, I did this. I may add that to my resume. Oh, this is a huge project I finished. Add that to your resume. So be sure to keep track of everything that you do, especially significant problems that you solve. Keep track of them because on the day-to-day, you will lose track of right after a month you forget that you did xyz mm-hmm. make sure you write it down document okay. everything sure did let me uh maurice anderson let me get to you man you've been patient and we got a uh, uh games a got devil's bang what's, what's going on maurice i was going on the brother i forgot his name keep it techie for your profile you want to make sure you have a LinkedIn profile. All the contracts you have done, I want to make sure I put on my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, you can have a GitHub, but you want to have that, make sure that experience back up that GitHub. Cause it will check. You probably never heard of me, but that's one of my, I guess you can call it talking points. I always yeah. say LinkedIn is very important because I mean, it is a portfolio at the end of the day. That's a resume slash portfolio and you can track everything. You can put your certifications in there. You can put your right. certification numbers so you can verify them on CompTIA or CCNA website however they verification process works to verify that you actually have that certification you can also get and one of the most important things i always say is getting people to put referrals under your linkedin profile as well yeah and i'm sorry go ahead man you on the right point bro go ahead no you guys touched every point i can't even say no more talking about you guys cover everything yeah, they, about, they, they, I was going to get on to him about the cop tier, about to tell people, like, make sure you can do cop tier, but make sure if you start out after high school, like 18, 19, 20, because you don't want to have those certifications in your 30s or mid 30s or even your 40s, because the recruiter is going to look down on you like, hey, if this high schooler having the same certification, they're going to look down on your resume. 
Oh, what's going on, Gabe? Appreciate you coming through, man. What up, man? Hey, I was going to kind of say, because I just came in during the conversation about contracting and kind of what that conversation was. And kind of what I'm realizing more and more are a couple of different things. One thing is that one is that as you skill up, as you get additional certs, you become more expensive to any organization. So when you talk about individuals that are expendable, when you talk about not being or being in a position where they can't, no, really, it doesn't really matter on your skills because they can find someone lower to do your same skills. It matters on how much you cost to the business. And that's why I kind of got out of the contracting type of world because I'm like, man, I'm just too expensive. I started talking to recruiters and everything and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I got to go within the organization. I don't know if anybody else had that same experience, but it became a point where I'm like, I didn't want to just keep bouncing around from contract to contract to contract, getting more and more skills, becoming more and more expensive. And organizations said, pretty much saying you skilled out of this thing or you too expensive to bring them to my business. But that's what I wanted to start off with. I don't know if anybody had anything else with that. Yeah, Gabe, well, it sounds as though you hit your ceiling as far as the price point that you can go to. And then that's when conversation comes into, do you want to do consulting outside of that or even trying to go into management? And not everybody has a skill to be manager, but it's not Sounds like being a contractor and then going full time might you know be the best bet for that kind of situation. Oh, I'm not asking for advice about a situation. Oh I yeah, that was kind of some of my past experience. That's Gabe, hey, he don't need advice. Uh, he don't I need advice. Even in the chat too. <laughs> I was not about you not needing advice. I specifically asked if anybody had had that same type of experience and what they had went through, but. It's all good. I've experienced it as well. I mean, it's very hard once you get to a certain level to actually get positions that are kind of lower if you need to. Because, I mean, I've been in situations doing contract work like we are all talking about where contract ended unexpectedly. And so you have to find a job to keep going. You can wait around, but I always like to keep busy. So I try to hop into anything. I've actually taken positions where I've had to, you know, step down, but it was very hard to actually get into those types of positions because they look at you as overqualified as well as too expensive because of your background. I've been turned down from positions because, you know, I have a bachelor's degree and the position doesn't require a bachelor's degree. And I can tell by the tone during the interview process that oh yeah this guy's not gonna be around too much longer you know what i'm saying if because of his experience and oh background go ahead one way that you can ensure you know you get paid what you weigh is make sure you remain valuable to the current market, right? If companies out here clamoring for someone that has a particular set of skills, if you're able to demonstrate your skill set, they're willing to pay you what the market is demanding. I mean, that's just basic market dynamics. If there's a rarity out there that companies are looking to fill a position that they cannot find, most people don't have these, a certain skill set, the market price is going to be what the market price is. You can't really go by the market because Atlanta pay different than Florida pay. So if I have those but, skills in Florida, I want to make sure, like for instance, for cybersecurity or DevOps engineer, the market is 180 and Florida is 60,000. So you want to make sure. What? what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, how you go from 180 to 60,000? 60, yeah. Time out, man. That don't even make sense, bro. That's what I'm saying. If you have those skills in that state. Are we talking about Zimbabwe dollars here, bro? What skills worth 60,000 in one state and 180, especially when they were. Yeah, right come on, man. That's exactly what he's talking about. Now, they do try to get you on like cost of living and like how much wherever like the company is based. It's like, of course, they're going to pay more or less where they are, but it shouldn't be too drastic. It shouldn't be too drastic. Maybe like. I think he was just going to the extreme.
extreme based on what he's saying. I get exactly what he's saying. A better example would have been like 180 to 160 if you go to a different place or 120 if you go to a different yeah. place. I have seen yeah, that that's, for the that's same typically type of based, yeah, yeah, that's so, typically based on like the cost of living and when, yeah, whatever the job. Well. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, there's, there's no there's no, there's no wide variance right. between 60,000 and 180, bro. There's no way that you'll find oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not happening, yeah. bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have to also make sure that you look at the history of the company, right? If you're dealing with a startup, or you're dealing with a company that's on a verge of bankruptcy, they're going to have to let you go off of Humbug, right? Because you'll have these certain startups that just want to get sold and they don't give a f- about the employees. You have to look at a site called Glassdoor and that'll let you know the environment that you may be getting hired into. And now starting out, go for these startup companies. Go ahead and go to these resume mill companies where they just burn and turn employees just to get your experience up. But if you're looking for certain environments where you're going to be steady, even as a contract or a permanent employee, you want to ensure that you're going into a company that you're willing to work at every day. What's going on, man? What's going on, everybody? I just want to hop into my two cents about how to actually get your foot in the door. We got like real granular in the conversation talking about like what to do like once you're already like you know five years in and stuff but i think a lot of these dudes might not you know even be you know anywhere near that so i just kind of want to give them a little bit of advice to actually try to get into it so the main two things you want to focus on are trying to get work experience and the certifications i mean we did kind of touch on that bro too literally just said kind of what i was going to get talk about anyway the main thing you don't necessarily have to like have like a quote-unquote real it job to have valuable work experience for an employer even some customer service type jobs will show the employer like okay this person actually has some soft skills that are actually going to make them more pleasant to work with and a lot of people actually value that and if you can actually show up and demonstrate that to like enough degree that could actually go a lot further than somebody that barely has like any experience at all but then like they absolutely have like no soft skills so it's definitely you know a balancing act you definitely need to have the real technical skills as well like you can't substitute that for anything so definitely still try to focus on getting certifications if you're in school that's great i think that also helps take a box on resume and like what was his name somebody mentioned before how the system is basically basically looking for keywords. So yeah. when you have a degree, that's going to help tick a lot of boxes for a lot of those recruiters and employers. So if you want to get more employability, like that's definitely a long way. Those are just like the main points I just kind of want to touch on. It's not that much. Hey, Devil's Bang. So I want to add on to what you just said. And I totally agree that yes, having keywords in your resume and help you out also having soft skills and soft skills is just being able to actually have a conversation with somebody as a real human being. But I used to work in career services and now I work for a recruitment company so a lot of things such as they look at your history as like you know your past your previous job and they will do things like flag you if like if you leave too many companies now i'm not saying that it's like that you have to stay at a company especially if you're a contractor you can move whenever you want to and it may not affect you but i would just say like because i do actually see the data and then let's say if you like leave a company or you get let go they track all that kind of information yep another thing is looking on the actual job description helps you out tremendously because what you can do is you can say okay i need to know python to become a data engineer python is probably one of the easiest coding languages that you can learn along with sql or sql if you ever want to say it like right. that but well, if you learn those kind of things you can actually go on like the new boston 
or you can go on like codingphase.com, who's also a YouTuber. You can go to a lot of these resources that are already with on YouTube by just looking at the job description saying, okay, I need to know SQL. Let me look up SQL. Let me take a free YouTube course that can teach me this because SQL is probably one of the easiest ones along with Python. And also Java is taught by a lot of, I will say because I'm in Atlanta, but it's taught by a lot of colleges around in Georgia area is like your first programming language that you'll learn. So, and that's only if you want to go on the back end side. There's a whole another side where it goes into the front end and also the I would argue the front end right now is a little bit too saturated, honestly. Like I don't even think people should like really look at that. Their front end is always saturated, man. Man. (laughs) You pretty much gotta be full stack, like a full stack engineer for the front end and the back end at this point, because just like the brother mentioned, the front end is very saturated with like JavaScript and very simple. Very simple things. Like there's coding boot camps that would pretty much put you in a front end development course for like, I don't know, a month, maybe two. And then they'll siphon you to some low paying coding job. So a lot of times if you're front end and back end, you're more competitive in the field. Definitely. Now you do have to watch out for certain companies that do try to take advantage. I forgot the name of the company, but you'll see them message you on LinkedIn or in your email. And then what they'll say is, hey, I got a contract for you. You need to be able to move. But what we'll do is we'll be able to train you doing like a pseudo boot camp for like a few months and then what they do is they'll ship you off to wherever in the United States. You don't oh, get to choose where. That's exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Reverture. So like a company like that, it'll make it sound good if you're like desperate for like getting into that field and you'll be like, okay, I'll just take any kind of job. But then what they'll do is they'll say, okay, as soon as you sign on this contract, you'll be earning $20,000 less than what you could be. So you could yeah, make $60,000. I 100% agree, but that's contracting in general. And I've worked on contracts for, and I'm not saying I know anything better than anybody else but that's a given the company is hired to find a position for you and they have to get a cut so they all of them gonna take a chunk and they try to keep it within the industry but they're all gonna take a chop out the top and that was know, gonna be my second money. point in mm-hmm. contracting versus working full-time is that they're getting something off the top of you right exactly. they're getting something yeah. off of your total compensation and, and hopefully to get tired but, but that's what consulting what numbers are no it's for contracting no i'm saying if you're going through some type of contracting firm then yeah they are taking something off the top absolutely but that's what consulting comes right because if you consult with businesses directly then you're able to set your own price there's no one taking anything off the top yeah somebody is taking something off the top well, that's not what i'm talking about though i'm talking about actually you individual gay bay going to a business and saying hey okay you need help with xyz project this is what i can provide for you it's going cost in that instance you do not have any type of contract in between you and that business so you're talking about 1099 so is it b2b type of thing business to business yeah exactly yeah okay yeah i don't want it to sound like contracting is like the worst thing in the world though because like there are benefits if you want to become a contractor like actually getting the work experience is one of the biggest ones but also if you want to be able to get more experience yeah you can work at a certain company for a long period of time but then if you want to get a wider range of different experiences then going the contractor route with different companies will actually help you to be like okay well you know what i learned python at this job I want to learn JavaScript at the other one. I learned like this framework and then, but you can't really do that with just one specific company. So that's why a lot of contractors continue to be contractors. And also you are supposed to be getting paid more to be compensated for the fact that the company doesn't pay for your like health insurance. A lot of the time they don't get the 401k match. Yeah. Yeah, You don't get the 401k match. So that's some benefits to contractors. So I don't want anybody to be persuaded away from going the contract route. It's just be a contractor 
pleasure. And then just like how Gabe said earlier is eventually when you've been contracted for so long, you got so much experience, then you might want to go full time. Contracting can be very lucrative though as well. I'm just bringing it into another or somewhat of another topic, but that's why another reason I push people to the military. That way you can get that clearance. You can also go into those IT fields within the military that allow you to get certified in those different areas and then go out and contract. For instance, and I always throw this number out here because I actually made it, but you can make some serious money contracting. I'm not talking about just regular companies. I'm talking about DOD contracting where I was in Afghanistan for close to five years and I was pulling in the highest during one of my contract periods was $250,000 a year. So a quarter of a million dollars to do database administration (laughs) or database development, you know, (laughs) can change your life. That's another reason I push people into the military so you can get that clearance because that's another thing that's very invaluable when working in the IT field and government contracts. I know not everybody can get into the military. Oh, go ahead, bro. Truth, sorry. He's right on the security clearance standpoint. Like when I got out, unfortunately, my dumb ass let it lapse. You know, I didn't value it. It is what it is, man. Because I mean, it's not like I'm struggling now or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, not like if I wanted to, I can get another security clearance. No problem. It's not required to be successful in IT. But if you want to get into any type of government contract, most of the times they want to see some type of security clearance level that is required. Don't you really like, take a polygraph and like ask you if you ever like smoke weed or anything. It really yeah. comes down to the level of security you need required, right? If well, you're I, talking I about, talk about that, like some top a... secret type, bro, then yeah, they're yeah. gonna freaking go through. No, I'll just I finish a... up right quick, oh, bro. Wait, 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 so wait. they actually gonna they have to do a couple of security clearance qualifications for other people, right? So they actually will reach out to like your friends. You have to list people that you know, and they will go ask them questions about you, bro. Yeah. Like it's no joke. I've had a top secret clearance since 2003 when I first came into the military. I used to work for the NSA and do all kind of other crazy stuff. But I kind of fell into the area like bro truth. When I got out the army, my security clearance kind of quote unquote expired, but it's not expired in the sense that it's just totally gone. I'm still in the system as having a TS clearance. So as long as I don't get arrested or do some crazy crap, I'll always still be listed as having a TS clearance and they can just go through and essentially they would just pull up all of my information that I use to list to get the clearance. Cause like bro true said, when I had to do that clearance, aside from I had to take like two polygraph tests. Yeah. And they did ask me questions about did I smoke weed? And I had to actually answer. Yes, I did back in the day. You know, I had to do the drug test, but Hold on, they did, went you, back. you had the 420. I used to be about that life, something serious before I joined the military. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but with the actual clearance thing, Unbelievable. they actually went back about 15 years into my past just like bro true said they was actually going up to these people's houses knocking on doors and asking about me and i've had to do that for other people when they were going to get a clearance but the clearance thing is important if you want to do government work especially if you want to try to maximize your salary like keep techie he said he was making a quarter million dollars a year so me and keep techie we were actually in afghanistan the same time i was there 2010 2011 i was in the army and i was in charge of a help desk slash tcf basically just a service desk and i had about 20 contractors working for me i was their boss even though i was in the military but the lowest paid contractor on our team this dude named marcus he was making one hundred and twenty-five thousand, and then the highest paid he was making three hundred thousand dollars and this was all tax well the first tax is free tax, the first hundred is tax free now we pulled out of afghanistan i don't know how this is going to work but this is how it was 10 years ago but they were able to get those because they had some type of clearance whether
whether it was just the basic interim clearance all the way up to a TS clearance. But these clearances, they can make you extremely valuable, especially if you're doing work that's directly related to the government. But you don't necessarily need it to get it popping in IT because you can still go out there and get jobs with private companies where they don't necessarily need a clearance. Yep. They, they can still pay you well over six figures. I'll give you an example. Cause my youngest brother, he's been doing IT for nine years. He started off help desk and then he transitioned into cybersecurity. He's only been in IT nine years. And he makes $130,000. He doesn't have any clearance at all. So it's possible. Uh, damn. Uh, go ahead, yeah. Gabe. What you about to say? Well, I was going to ask. I mean, I think everybody's bringing up the thing about <laughs> making the high amounts, but where did you have to be? to be in iraq <laughs> you know well, i'm not saying it's a horrible place well i'm sure it is right it's battleground well, right it's war uh, place. it really depends on where you at right if you're in the green zone you're good like you're in bad dad green zone if you're on a fob you're good but if you're on the outskirts who decides but, that for you well most contractors are in the green zone like from when i deployed back in 2003 2006 most of the contractors that i engaged with they stayed on the fob forward operation base yeah. where everyone was where they had the big ass defects not to say that they didn't see any like mortar attacks you know because yeah that occurred but when you're talking about actually firefights and all this other you got to deal with, nah. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to go down range. You can go get contract jobs working in the Gulf of Mexico on those yep. oil rigs. Like they got yep. these things all over the place. And some of those contract jobs in the Gulf of Mexico, they might not pay two, $300,000, but you can go out there and get a job doing some IT work or some level where they're paying you like a hundred racks to sit on an oil rig in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico doing whatever the heck it is they do out there. So that doesn't mean you just have to go to the Mideast. This yeah. stuff is everywhere. And you can also end up in San Diego on a DOD contract track you know making over a hundred thousand so yeah 100 percent agree is all over the place and also i was just gonna add to what brother truth was saying about it being dangerous or whatever most of the time you're sitting behind a desk if you're working at it you're gonna be sitting behind a desk the only people that's out there kicking in doors is blackwater or whatever they calling themselves now and that's the government contracts they provide security contracts where so if you can't shoot a rifle you hired on for it you're gonna be sitting behind a desk somewhere you're not gonna be in the middle of listen you you got a higher chance of being killed in any random hood in America. I'm just keeping it a buck. That's I was facts. over there a whole year, got shot at a couple times, had to deal with mortars, but that wasn't like an everyday occurrence. You, know you just so, glossed over hey, that real hey, quick. Got shot at a couple of times. Well, well, what I'm saying is, what I'm order? saying is, yeah, I did get shot at. Well, I was in the military, you. but I wasn't getting shot I at every single That's day. what I'm saying. That that's where those premiums come from, right? That's but, that's why that they well, paid yes. the premium because you're yeah, in yeah, Iraq. A premium. No, you're right. There <laughs> is a premium because you're in that zone. But just like Keep It Techie said, you don't have to go downrange, as we call it, in order to get those type of high-paying contract jobs. You can find them in the U.S. You can go to Kuwait and still get that payment. When Kuwait Wait, you you oh, got to worry about it. You can go to Dubai. You know what I mean? They can send you to the, the UAE. Yep. That's still considered technically downrange, and you yep. still will get that same amount of pay. I met a bus driver when I was in this small country called Qatar, Q-A-T-A-R. The dudes, they were driving these Bluebird bus around picking up airmen and soldiers. They were getting paid $90,000 a year to literally just drive a bus around in a damn circle all day. Okay, there was trucks. somebody in the MWR <laughs> folding towels. She was making 150000 bro, yep. in the MWR, bro. Yep. In AC. Yo, they had people that was just escorting the trucks that was making over a hundred thousand. All it is is a truck that goes through and suck out 
from the latrine they didn't have to touch it but they had the <laughs> local nationals touch it but they were just yeah but a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year but the reason why i mentioned going down range is because that's one of the ways you can make an extremely large amount of money in a short period of time what i mean is so when i first got to afghanistan in 2010 i ran into this dude who was working in this tcf he was dealing with some type of circuits or whatever i think he had did like one or two years in the army got out went right back overseas as a contractor and he was working where i was working this dude was only like 24 years old at the time he was making two hundred thousand dollars a year to do his job and so i asked this dude i was like hey bro how long you plan on being over here he was like i'm gonna be over here until they kick me out the country basically he was like i'm not leaving until this war ends because they paying me 200 racks a year to do this he's like by the time i go back to put my feet on u.s soil i'm going to be a millionaire have all my stuff paid off and get my chill on he was planning to do this before he was 30 years old so this is stupid ridiculous money that you can make over there but i get it you don't want to get shot at just like bro truth said there are other countries in the quote-unquote danger zone where you don't get shot at like kuwait Qatar, dubai and other places like that but even if you don't want to go over there they got contract work here in america but i just brought that up because i've seen firsthand how much money people can make in such a short amount of time doing some basic simple elementary it type of stuff that's my only support of sysbm and so to speak i don't fully support it i mean i'm married and everything but when you young it's best to do something like that if you want to set yourself up for the future i recommend join the military or whatever if you want to and then try to get in a government contract then and that's my whole point for saying it because we got a lot of young people that's trying to figure out what they want to do in whatever they trying to do if you plan on getting into it that's a pathway to be successful and set yourself up for the future in my opinion and that's another point i was going to make. i forgot about it so you typically see people wanting to be full-time when you know they have families they have children and whatnot to think about you know to get the health benefits that comes with being full-time not to say that that's the case all the time however these are certain things that a family man has to take into account are you going to provide me with the safety net of health care and everything for my wife and kids when you're young and you ain't got nothing going on as far as like the family and all take care of bro contract the contract build that experience up. just for families you don't want healthcare for yourself. Well, what I'm getting to is, brother, when you're younger, they might go to the doctor every year so to get a checkup, but ain't in the doctor trying to get no pills. They ain't got to worry about the kids getting into any problems or having to go for yearly checkups. Kids and wives cost. Especially when it comes to healthcare, you have more people to be concerned with when you are married with children. Do you not? That's, that's the true. whole point I'm trying to make. When you're young, and you don't have it, those responsibilities. So <laughs> that's what I'm getting to. When I talk to like my coworkers, especially when I was a contractor and they were full time, one of the biggest things topics to talk about is like oh healthcare or or just the benefits, whatever, just for their family. And that was one of the reasons why they were sort of rooted in the city or the area they were. But yeah, like you're saying, if you're young. Or if you just have the opportunity to travel, you don't have anything tying you down to a certain location, do it. Because not just for the increased chance of getting a job, but also too just for the experience, like being able to go to different places on other people's dime and getting paid as well. So it's a win-win. Well, I've been hearing a lot of what DOD, the government fellows, have been talking about with these particular jobs that have very high amounts that, that they pay. But one thing that I don't think that they've been thinking about is, or they actually said it, that it's very menial work. 
right? Barely doing anything. But then there's this whole thing where they were talking about getting more and more additional skills. If that's what you're doing, where are the IT skills coming from? So basically, there are a whole bunch of types of government contracts, and a lot of them require you to have a clearance. It's not all IT. They could have multi-million dollar contract, and it could have IT positions underneath it. It could have a whole bunch of support type positions underneath that contract. They hire people based on the skills. So we wasn't bringing up those menial positions for IT or to explain anything to do with IT. It was all related to how much money that they're paying over there just for menial positions. But when you get into the IT positions, that kind of lets you know how much you can make within the IT positions once you actually secure one of those IT positions. And it's not even like a way to work up to that. You don't have to be driver or or anybody that's doing a mediocre job to get to the IT piece. You have to qualify for those IT positions just exactly. like you would in the States. You would apply to it just like any position here in the States. You have to have security plus those DOD certifications we were talking about. You have to have all the required skills to actually get that position. It doesn't have anything to do with those other positions. We were just throwing it out there about the amount of money. So if someone wasn't able to get into IT, they can at least set themselves up for the future by getting one of those mediocre task positions. That was the only reason it came up. That's why I brought up the Blackwater or whatever their company name is now. You have to have those specific skills. If you can't shoot a weapon, if you can't understand situational awareness, if you can't understand how to breach a building, they're not going to hire you. Because you don't qualify for that position. You have to actually qualify for it. It's the same thing with the government contracting IT positions overseas. They just pay a whole lot more when it comes to that because of the fact that you actually brought up, which was the danger factor. That's why they give you those stipends on top of it. Because at the end of the day, and just to break down my contract, the way it works is, and I'll break it down fully. It only take a second. But yes, I was making $250,000 a year, but half of it was the base pay. So I was getting paid like 175 was the actual contract amount but they throw stipends on top of it because of the location that you're on so it basically doubled with all the stipends that's how it broke all the way up close to 150 so i just wanted to explain it Hopefully that explains it for you. Earlier, they brought up how as a contractor, you can't necessarily get health insurance. Now, I will say that you can still get health insurance and you can still get it through your company that you're contracting with. So as an example, like me, right, I had a very bad allergic reaction. When I went to the doctor, they were like, damn, you have some really good insurance. So you might be missing out on like PTO, but it really just depends on the kind of company that you're going for. And what you can do is you can ask, am I going out? I'll keep it quick. What I was saying is you can speak to your recruiter and then say, okay, before you sign this contract, do I get any health insurance? What are all the benefits that come with being a contractor for your company? So that's something that you do before you even sign on the dotted line that you want to take this position. And I was actually hoping Gabe A would actually bring that up because I've talked to him plenty of times about negotiating contracts. There is a way to actually negotiate on a contract that you're going for, especially if you have the skills in the background that they're looking for. You can kind of set your time 
terms or whatever. Certain companies don't provide benefits like medical and benefits, but a lot of them do. And you can negotiate that as well, as well as percentages with 401ks. You just have to ask those questions when you're actually going through these recruiters, because they're kind of like a go-between at the end of the day. They're going to get the money and it's up to them to decide how they want to spend that money on you. So you have to be able to have the mindset to negotiate with those companies that are actually hiring you for this position with the larger company at the end of the day. Also, another point, it kind of goes in line with that. So don't think of the company as like, you know, the king and you're just a peasant or anything. Think about it. Like even when you're in an interview, uh, you're trying to interview them as well because they ask you at the end of the interview and you should always have questions to ask the employer or the hiring manager. You should always say something like, what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys face on a day-to-day basis? And also, why are you trying to fill this position or when do you plan to fill it by? You can qualify them just as they they're trying to qualify you because at the end of the day, it's really just just like how it is. It is a contract between you. You're providing them a service of your services of IT or programming or whatever, but also they're providing you with the money and or benefits that you will get from actually providing that service. You sound like a state <laughs> recruiter. Try me out piece of work and career services. So, you know. So, CJ, he says plenty of IT jobs in the U.S. that pay 60 to 80K plus unlimited overtime, no degree, no search, just two years of support. Get on LinkedIn and apply to Middle America. I do appreciate you. A shout out to CJ as well. And one thing that you can do and starting out, man, is look for these IT jobs and these undesirable places to live. I know it's going to suck. When I first started out, I was literally considering moving to Oklahoma to work for a hospital. Luckily, I found a position in Atlanta. The rest is history. But look for these positions in these poor towns in the middle of nowhere. Get you some experience and then get out of there. Don't feel desperate, though. That's one thing. They can smell the desperation on you. Make sure you guys go subscribe to uh, Take G's channel as well. I'm going to put the link down there. Yeah, we're going to do some closing thoughts. So who want to go first? I'll go ahead and go first, man. For brothers that want to get into IT, man, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Start learning. Just get into it. I know it, it seems like an unconquerable obstacle starting out. Trust me, I know. Even to this day, when new technology is coming out faster than I can keep up, I'm actually learning AWS right now. I'm at the bottom of the mountain right now when it comes to AWS. This is brand new information for me, but I know the value that that certification has, and I know where the future of technology is going. So I'm willing to sacrifice hours out of my day, my weekends, to learn this technology. So you have to have that same mindset, bro. You have to understand that it's going to take time. You're learning, and you have to be comfortable with making mistakes on the way. But don't make a mountain out of a molehill, bro. Just get into it. If you want to learn it, start. YouTube, there's plenty of free resources out here. There's no excuse. Thanks for having me over, Mill. Appreciate it. Salute to uh, Bro True. Appreciate you coming through. Who wants to go next with the uh, closing thoughts? I'll go next. I'll go ahead. Peace out, everybody. Who wants to go next? I can go next. Thank you, Ramil, and also the panel for having me on the channel. First time on joining on the panel, but been following you for a while now. And one thing I wanted to say for the people who are already in school for computer science, because that's the path I took, one of the biggest things that you can probably do is get an internship before you actually graduate, because that is something that you can put on your resume. Some colleges require that you get an internship, others don't. And if they don't, then it's on you to be able to do it. You have to be self-motivated and be able to have that drive to be able to do something that you really want to do. And if you're interested in going into the tech industry or also becoming a developer, you have to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take the initiative. I'm going to read this book, Cracking the Coding Interview or something similar to that, and then be able to get on your grind. So thank you again for having me on the channel. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming through, man. Anytime. 
uh, salute to you, brother. Uh, who wants to go next? All right. I just want to say, young brothers out there, focus. You know, put your head down and just learn the material. You'll get there. You know, it takes a little bit of time, but that time spent will pay dividends. So it's definitely worth doing. All right. Thanks for having me. Later on, guys. I appreciate you. All right. Uh, go ahead, uh, bro. Yeah. I would tell the brothers, look for a mentor first because a lot of brothers got too much pride before they get into the industry. Make sure you look for a mentor first so they can guide you the interview process, how to talk to people, how to speak to people, how to dress, what type of resume you should have, what programming language you should use first or which field you should go into first. Make sure you look for a mentor. Don't have too much pride. I basically, that's it, man. I appreciate you having it, even though I couldn't talk because everybody was like, had the old input, but it's cool. I appreciate it, brother. I pre- appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming through. Uh, who wanted to go next? Some closing thoughts. Shout out to you, Ramil, for doing the stream. Appreciate it. Getting the information out to you know young folks that's trying to get into the field. Definitely holler at Tech G. Definitely has an excellent channel that breaks down you know everything you need to do to get into IT by walking you through all these certifications that can open the door for you. And like he says all the time, six months to a year, you can actually be in the field working towards a better position. You just gotta start. All the resources are out here. It's all on the internet. You can get pretty much all the training you need for free on the internet. It's all out here. You just gotta have a drive and the willing to go out there and actually look for it and pick it up and start learning. And then also you can, somebody else brought up training at home. You can actually start a lot of this stuff from home. If you have an old computer sitting around, you can install a lot of these applications or connect to them, like all these cloud applications, connect to them and then actually train on them and learn how it actually works and it'll help you and put you in a better position by understanding how this stuff works and you can actually speak to it in the interview process shout out to you Ramil again tag g salute and everybody else that came on the panel shout out to you guys for assisting with the conversation putting out your knowledge to these young folks that's actually listening to this so shout out i'm out salute to, uh keep it taking man thanks for coming through man always dropping that valuable information as well y'all gotta go uh, mess with him as well as you can see my it channel on the screen tech g but i appreciate you having me on the stream but uh like i said pretty much everybody else has said my sentiments but the thing that i guess i can add is that you know we're in the 21st century this is what our entire lives are dictated by it you don't have to be an it professional like me who's been doing this for almost 20 years you could still be somebody like ramil who uses tech in order to advance his life in other areas but i do believe that you need to have some type of basic level understanding beyond just how to turn your phone on and watch a youtube video but if you do want to take it to that next level because you want to get into tech, you want to go out there and make the money or try to transition to starting your own business, the stuff that I preach and teach, like I stated earlier, is just really designed to get you into the game. Once you get in, it is incumbent upon you to do the stuff that Brother Truth was talking about and everybody else is uh, getting higher level search so you can begin to maximize your pay and all that other stuff. I just teach you how to get into the game through the way that I was taught how to get into it. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs>